We're going to finish out this year with a discussion of last things. Now, we took a break last week because it was Thanksgiving, special holiday, hooray for us. Uh, one of my favorite holidays because it's really a food holiday, as I said last week. And as we resume our discussion of last things, we've talked a lot about, of course, we, I tried to plan this year in sort of a sequence from the existence of God and truth and what we think about the Bible and, and salvation and then Christian practice and some struggles and, and finishing out with last things. Uh, we're going to talk about heaven this week, hell next week. Uh, resurrection, and then hope is what we'll finish out the year with. I'm unsure what the Christmas plan is. Uh, this is the one out of seven years where Christmas happens to fall on a Sunday. So I, I, I think there was vague rumblings of doing an afternoon service. I don't know. We'll figure it out, but we'll let you know what we decide to do. I'm unsure what's going to do, what we're going to do then. Uh, so as we think about last things, we're wrapping up this year. Last week we looked at the reality, not last week, two weeks ago, uh, the reality of judgment, the centrality of judgment in the life of the Christian. Matthew 25, 31, we're not going to read all this. When a son of man comes in his glory, all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate. We looked at the idea of separate a couple weeks ago. He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. This is judgment, right? To the, he will place the sheep on his right, the goats on his left. He will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared to you, for you from the foundation of the world. And then we go on as we continue. He will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And as you look at these two things, we see a separation here, right? Those will be in the kingdom prepared by the father. And those will be in the eternal fire prepared for the devil. Now, we see the, the point at the end here. He will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Judgment is central because there is a separation coming. And a duality, the duality of dualities all throughout the New Testament, really all throughout the whole Bible, that there really are only two options. There's either being faithful to God and doing what he wants and obeying him to the best of your ability, or anything else is, as James would say, friendship with the world, being an enemy of God. There's either friend of God or enemy. There's no neutral party. There is no spiritual Switzerland. There's nowhere you can go that says, here I am and I'm neutral, I'm not for or against, I'm, I'm impartial. That is not an option that is presented to us in Scripture. Here we see what? The duality of judgment, of last things. You're either going away into eternal punishment or into eternal life. And so the question has to be, as we think about heaven and hell this week and next week, the resurrection of life, what is, what is heaven going to be like? What does that mean? What is the, the kingdom that has been prepared by the Father for those who are faithful and love him? And, and generally speaking, I'll, I'll say this now, and I'll say it at the end. It's impossible to know with 100% certainty, and more to the point, it's impossible to describe with any level of accuracy what heaven is going to be like. We'll talk about why that is, but when we think about the way that the New Testament describes heaven, heaven, not an idea that is particularly well articulated in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, they had they understood resurrection in general, but, but most of what we understand about heaven is in the New Testament, and it is not articulated in a way that is, is very concrete. 
with very delineated things. And the primary reason for that is, as we think about what heaven is, number one, heaven is not going to be on earth. I, I want to really stress this. Heaven will not be on earth, nor will it be the same nature as physical reality, which is what makes it impossible to describe. Everything about us, look around, you see, you know, the chair and the podium and the, and the people and you touch them and feel them and, and the substance, right? Physical matter. We can get in the really the weeds scientifically about what that means. But what matters most of all is that heaven cannot be that. It's not going to be made of iron and gold. And, you know, Revelation 21 describes, you know, jasper and jade and carnelian and all these different precious metals. Heaven's not going to be the precious metals because precious metals are just made of atoms. They're just, now they look shiny and it's great. But, you know, the stuff of gold is the same stuff as you and me. It's electrons and protons and, and you know, neutrons. And, you know, me don't care about all that. And that's the point. Nobody cares about all that. It's mundane. It's ordinary. It's, it's matter. It's regular. But what is said about heaven? 2 Peter 3, 7. By the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist, the things that are now, are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment, the destruction of the ungodly. Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. The, the point of this, of course, is why hasn't he come back yet? The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's why he's not here yet, waiting for us to do stuff. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies will be burned dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. The heaven and earth that now exists, that's the thing that we're standing on right now. The thing that we're interacting with right now, going to be gone. Burned up and dissolved. Because why? 1 Corinthians 15, 50, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood, physical people, cannot. I want to note the important difference between cannot and will not. There's a, there's a difference, right, between cannot and will not. The difference between God choosing one thing and an impossibility. We, in our physical form, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. What kingdom of God? Not the kingdom of God that exists now, right? That, we have that. But the kingdom that he talks about in Matthew 14, or Matthew 25, the kingdom that is prepared for us. Nor does the perishable inherit the perishable, imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Who's the we there? Well, he's talking about himself. It didn't apply to him. But we, whoever is here when Jesus comes back, will not all sleep. We shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. The we, again, not, not necessarily Paul and his audience, but we, whoever are here when Jesus comes back, the dead, they'll be raised imperishable. They're, they're dead. Their bodies are done anyway. You think about all the people who've died throughout history. They don't need their bodies. They're over and done. They're going to be raised imperishable in this new form. Everybody who's still alive, well, we haven't died, so something needs to change. We will be transformed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. Fundamentally, heaven is not going to be like this. It's not going to be like here. You're not going to have a body. You're not, uh, you will have some sort of body. You're not going to have flesh and blood. You're not going to be made of, of this physical stuff. Because why? The physical stuff breaks. Entropy exists. Things deteriorate. Things get worse and worse and worse. And everything, my dad loves to say it, everything breaks. 
but what will be in heaven is imperishable, unbreakable, indestructible. There's nothing that exists in this entire universe that fits that criteria. Heaven will not be on earth. Mostly heaven is defined because it cannot be described in physical terms, right? Because everything we're connected to, everything we understand, the way we process reality is all in these very physical, concrete terms. If heaven's not going to be that, how would we even describe it? What, what words would we even use? We don't have any words that can go beyond what we understand. So heaven is not defined by what it is, but rather, in large part, by what it isn't. Number one, we've already seen, it is not physical, but there's some other things that heaven is not. Revelation 21, verse 1. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The sea was no more. I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared. This word prepared. We keep seeing this word prepared. What does that mean? It's, it's, it's something that God is doing right now, preparing for us as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. Well, that exists now, right? God is with us. Is God here today? Well, yeah, he, he, yes, he's here today in this very room. You may not see him, right? You don't see him here. He's here. He dwells with us. He lives with us. For the Christian, we understand the Holy Spirit, right? The, the Holy Spirit that has been poured into our hearts. So that, that's true. That We'll talk about how it's different in just a minute. But what we really see the difference between what now and what will be is what will not be in heaven. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. No crying, no death, no sadness, no pain. It's impossible to articulate exactly what heaven will be because we're tied to physical reality, but I know what heaven is not. It is not a place where there is sadness. It is not a place where there is pain. It is not a place where there is death. And I don't really care about the rest. That's what I want, isn't it? I don't really care what it looks like. I want all these bad things to go away. And they will. Romans 8, verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility... That is, again, physical stuff. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The corruption is what? Everything breaks. Things happen. Pain and suffering and, and death and decay and disease and all of these corrupted things. We know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Not only the whole creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we await eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For this, in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. You can't see heaven. It's not really even a thing that can be articulated, and that's kind of the point. Who hopes for what he sees? If we hope for what we do not see... We wait for it with patience. No pain, no death, no sorrow, no sadness, no tears. Here, no corruption. Not going to be any disease. You're not going to break your leg. What did he say? You're going to have an imperishable body. Your body's going to be indestructible. You're, you can't be hurt at all. The things of this universe, the things that we hate about life, will be gone. That's what matters, right? 
Which brings us to our third point. We know that heaven is not physical. We know that heaven will have an absence of all these things we hate. What's going to be there? What's the important thing? Heaven is the place of God's literal, most experienced, best experienced presence. Because we say God is here, and it's true, right? We understand that. But when he talks in Revelation 21 that that God is going to be with them, he'll dwell with them and be their God, right? We understand that God's here, but as we said, we can't see him. You can feel him in a certain way. You can feel him through the Spirit. I think feel him through our our connection to him. But he's not here in a way that overrules physical reality. Right? I look around. I I don't see him here. I I I can't touch him. I can't taste him. can't smell him. What would God even smell like? In heaven, the way we experience God will be not like this. It'll be perfect. It'll be full. It'll be in most... Again, literal is not even the right word. I can't even think of the right word. This is the point, right? We can't articulate it. He will be in our presence in a way that very few people have ever experienced. You can think of Adam and Eve. They experienced the presence of God. They experienced so much they ran away, right? He's got walking with them in the cool. They run away and hide themselves. Ah, we don't want to be around you. You can think about Moses, who was in the presence of God, and then he came down off the mountain and what? They couldn't even look at him. He was shining so brightly from being in the presence of God that the people couldn't even look at him. And most people, when you look in the Bible, they they enter the presence of God. How do most people react? Oh dear, I'm going to die. That's not what we're experiencing now, is it? Revelation 22, verse 1. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as a crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. Again, these are these are words we have to use to describe things, but it's not going to be exactly like this. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face. None of us have seen God's face. They will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. They light or lamp or sun. The heavenly bodies, what did Peter say? Those are going to be dissolved, burned up, gone. The sun, the stars, all those things over and done with. We don't need them. Why? I don't need them. Why? There will be no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. You think about light. How hard it is to live in the dark. Can't see. Of course, people who are blind, they have experiences all the time. You're stumbling through to find the bathroom at night and you hit your toe because you can't see where you're going. That's a microcosm of how life is in general. We stumble and we fall because we are in the dark. Because we can't see God. Because he's here, but we we don't see him. We're blind. That's going to be over in heaven. We will see him face to face. And I won't be stumbling, metaphorically speaking, right? Stumbling over sin and and difficulty and pain and sorrow. Why? Because he will be there. And I will see perfectly. What does Paul say in another place? Now I see in a mirror dimly, then face to face. I will know as I am fully known. John 14, verse 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms... What does that mean? It, they're not real rooms. I don't think you're going to have your own room, guys. I'm just going to throw that out there. 
Maybe. If it were not so, I would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. That where I'm going to pause for just a minute. That where I am, what does he say? That where I am, there you may be also. He says it in the Thessalonian letter, how? The trumpet will sound. Everybody will see him. He'll appear in the clouds. He'll gather us together to be with him. And so we will always be with the Lord. The details are both irrelevant and impossible to describe. And that's why God doesn't try. You look through the, the Bible. There's a couple of places in Revelation. But for the most part, God does not attempt to describe what it will be like. He will be there. We will be worshiping. There will be no pain or sorrow or sadness. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. Like we have these general terms. But in broad strokes, God paints the picture of a place of perfect peace. Matthew 25, or not, sorry, Matthew 7, verse 21. As we think about this judgment, because this is in a series of judgment, right? We're talking about judgment. There's heaven. We're describing heaven. There is another place, isn't there? We'll talk about that next week. Who gets to be in the heaven, the good place? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? That might be you. Might be me, right? We're, we're here, we're claiming to do God's work. Oh man, I'm doing so many great things for God. I, uh, I'm so awesome. And what is he going to say? I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, work as lawlessness. Well, again, there's only two options. If we're not departing, if we're not going to be in Jesus' presence, we're going to depart from him. There's only one other place to be, right? There's no neutrality. That, that, that's it. There's, there's one other place to go. Who's going to be in heaven? The one who does the will of the Father. That's it. Now, are we going to be perfect? We understand we're not going to be perfect. But, of course, God gave us what to do in that case, right? When we don't do his will, he still told us what to do. When we sin and make mistakes and we fail, there's a, an instruction for that part because he knows we're going to do that. To do the will of the Father to the best of our abilities. John 5, verse 28, an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Heaven is the resurrection of life, eternal life. The other thing that heaven is what? We haven't said it yet. It's eternal. It will be forever and ever and ever and ever. As many evers as you want to put on there. And so well does the Bible describe, I don't remember when I said this, maybe it was last week, the light momentary affliction. Why does he say light momentary affliction? Because it's compared to the eternal weight of glory that awaits. I don't exactly know what heaven will look like. And anybody who claims to know that is a liar. Or maybe just mistaken, I guess. It may, may not be intentionally lying, but mistaken. I know that heaven will not be on earth. It's not going to be here. I know that I'm not going to look like I look now. Thank be to God for that. I know that I'm not going to have the pain that so many experience. Maybe have some disease. 
Maybe you have some mental difficulty. Maybe you have lost loved ones. Not maybe, you have lost loved ones. The pain of broken relationships, the difficulty of temptation, trying to endure the difficulty of temptation, all that's going to be gone. And, and, and really, if that's the case, I, don't, I just don't care what it looks like. I don't care. Because I know that I won't be dealing with all this stuff that I deal with here. But only if what? As we conclude. Only if what? If we do the will of the Father. What's his will? His will is that we will know what he wants, that we will understand his word. His will is that we will repent, turn from our sin, do the best of our ability, the things that he wants us to do. His will is that we will confess, not only confess our sins to him, but confess our allegiance to him. His will is that we will be immersed into the blood of his son. His will is that we will live faithfully. And even as we live faithfully, if we continue to sin, if we make mistakes, if we continue, what does John say? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That's his will, which you could do today. Come while we stand and sing.